Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. My name is Mark Kay from Australia and I am joined as always by uh, Will the Goat Gottlieb. How are you, sir? I'm liking the Goat Gottlieb nickname. I'm into that. Um, I'm doing all right. The Bulls won. They tried to to lose the game in the final yeah, they, moments. They They've had they a rough really stretch, the but end, they, they didn't want to win, but they did anyway. And uh, it may not have looked pretty, but it was a win in the standings. Yeah, it's definitely a win in the standings. We can certainly say that, and it's it feels absurd to to even feel this way. But to me, like it almost feels feels like a, a loss because it it feels like a regression back to some of the, some of the terrible basketball that we saw, you know, last season, the years before. And I guess that's kind of ridiculous to say, given that um, you know, for the most part, for forty two minutes of that game, they were really damn good, considering you know the loss they had the previous night. Um, and the fact that, again, the rotation was completely different. It changes every game, but um, we'll get into that in more detail shortly. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hanging on to the last six minutes too much and, and I'm emphasizing what we saw there too much. And maybe I should chill down a little bit because, uh, for the most part, it was a great game with Io doing his thing, Zach being back and looking good. We get we actually got a good Vooch game as well. I, I know he wasn't necessarily playing against any big front court uh, uh, players, and he was basically just beasting on some smaller wings, essentially, um, with OKC playing a smaller lineup. But nonetheless, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm focusing too much on the negatives here. Uh yeah, I mean, let's. We have a, a couple of like negative uh, injury things to get into, and I think we should discuss that before really diving in. That's so, fair. That's fair. Um, to just zoom out and sort of set the stage for how these last couple of games have gone, the Bulls lost in a really depressing, just uninspiring blowout to the Orlando Magic, who I believe are the worst team by record in the NBA, uh, a 114.95. Loss, um, Wendell, revenge game, he went off. Franz Wagner, uh, Mo Wagner, just absolutely destroying us. Um, DeMar scored 41, which we can talk about later because he was great. But other than that, not so good. And then tonight, um, also on the heel of the Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball injury news, which we'll talk about in a second, another um, very, as you said, not so inspiring win. Um, they did get one. The Thunder backdoor covered at the final moments to cut it to 111-110. But like we said, it's a win in the standings. So now where we stand is, um, I believe, 27-15, and 15, second in the Eastern Conference. Sorry, uh, 29-17, and 17, tied for second yeah. in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. um, with the Nets behind the Heat. And some long-term injuries that are going to factor into, um, I think, what will be a cup, a tough couple of months here. Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess we we have to cover off the injury stuff first. And you know, I started my rant there about the OKC game because that was front of mind. But really, you know, if you're a Bulls fan, obviously you're across the news at this point, given what has happened over the last couple of days, over the weekend at least, specifically that box game. But you know, we're already we're already out with uh, Lonzo. Um, I, I believe we spoke about that last time. Caruso comes back a couple games. The Bulls play the Bucks. They're playing them really tightly, despite all, despite them missing the starting backcourt and their entire power forward rotation. The Bulls are playing the Bucks pretty close, 
and all is seemingly going pretty well. Uh, Demar is carrying the balls in that game, and somehow the balls are staying in that game, but then, for whatever reason, Grayson Allen just makes a terrible basketball play. Well, it wasn't even a basketball play. He just makes a terrible play on the ball that was clearly never going to work, and Alex Caruso just came off second best, obviously, based on how Grayson Allen attacked him in that specific possession, and now... The Bulls are basically faced with their two best defenders, Caruso and Lonzo, being out a minimum of six to eight weeks. And I say that because who the hell knows when they're actually going to get back. I mean, Caruso had his wrist surgery today, and apparently, as per Billy Donovan said, everything went well. But Lonzo has yet to have you know any surgery on his meniscus, so um, you know the timeline for the six to eight weeks there hasn't necessarily even started yet. So. To what you're sort of alluding here, well, in terms of the way the Bulls are sort of positioned in the standings, yeah, they're, they're second at the moment, 29 and 17. The next few games are, are winnable games as such, but as we sort of saw today against OKC, you know, even even against some some terrible teams, and and like yesterday against the Magic, then they're, they're not necessarily games that you ink in as Ws as such. So. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that we're in this position and that we are now talking about more injuries, particularly with Caruso, because it just it just felt completely unforced, unnecessary, and just yeah, I just a gut punch that we didn't necessarily need. Like if it was, a, I don't know, if we, not to, not to suggest that there's you know levels to injuries, I suppose that all injuries are terrible, but to to see Caruso taken out in the way in the fashion that he was, and to see him miss the, the amount of time that he's going to miss now, it's just uh, it's it's just painful, man. He stayed in the game after that and played really great defense on Giannis. Um, I mean, he just looked awesome, and it was so good to have him back. Like, you just felt his presence Uh um, on both ends of the floor. Just a completely different team with him out there, um, flying around, making winning plays, just making life hell for everybody who he's guarding, getting the ball out in transition. Um, He was just awesome. And then, yeah, it takes a really hard foul. Um, Grayson Allen, obviously, like, has the reputation and all of this. And he was kind of like smirking or laughing or whatever as he walked off the floor. And then the bucks tweeted out that gif of him, like eating a donut the next morning. And it was just like bad looks all around. Um, at the end of the day for me, we're just out Caruso for probably what will be two months. And, um, that makes me sad because he's really fun to watch, but also, uh, especially with Lonzo being out, we can talk about Zach here in a minute who came back from a 10 day absence, um, whose knee I'm still a little bit worried about, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like we just can't stop talking about injuries for the last 10, 12 years with this franchise. And it's really a bummer when you like finally start to put together a really fun sort of magical season. And then, you know, your knees get taken out from underneath you and, and this is what's left. And luckily they've, they've banked the wins and we, we keep saying that, but, um, it's going to be hard to stay afloat, uh, despite the schedule. Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to be tough. I mean, like you would ordinarily think they should be beat teams like the the Raptors, the the San Antonio Spurs. Like there are a couple of games that the Bulls have got coming up. They've got games against the Pacers. We've just seen them play Orlando, but they've got another game against Orlando coming up. If they don't whoop the Magic's ass in their <laughs> next game. <laughs> uh, I mean, if if Vooch doesn't have just like a career game against the Magic next time, I'm going to be so goddamn mad. But. Uh, yeah, obviously, we'll, we'll wait and see how that transpires. But, like, even Vooch today was a game-time decision because he banged up his knee in the Magic. I thought, like, when he fell down initially, I was like, oh, shit, now Vooch is hurt. But, you know, coming yeah, that back didn't to- look good. And then no, Damar, yeah. after the Magic game, was out with rest today. Zach yeah. was um, – I, I don't think it was, like, reported that he was going to start until, like, earlier this morning. 
Vooch was questionable until right before game time. So um, we did get Javante back. We ended up getting Zach back. Um, Derek Jones is still out. Pat is obviously still out. So kind of a mess with the injury report right now. Yeah, and look, to your earlier point about like Caruso, like he literally just came back. We saw him in the Cavs game, and, and the Bulls got a really nice win against the Cavs. And like whether it was because of Caruso or whether it was just a coincidence or you know whatever it may have been, but it was just noticeable how much more you know energetic the team felt watching them play that game. Like specifically comparing that to Orlando, like if you compare those two games and, and the quality of opponents, like the Bulls for whatever reason just weren't engaged at all against the, against the Magic, but then against a really good Cleveland team and even against the Bucks, as he as he sort of talked about, like Caruso stayed in that game after getting hit and was guarding Giannis and stuff. But like it's just so noticeable when he's on the floor how much better this team looks. And I guess we got a, a feel of, of of a similar level of, of that sort of player against the uh the Thunder tonight, which was which was pleasing to see, at least for like I said, forty two of the forty eight minutes. But yeah, I, I just don't know how you pre- replace Caruso. He leads the team in um, net rating when he's on the floor by by a sum, you know, a real a real margin. The next guy up there is Devontae Green and then DeMar DeRozan, if I'm not mistaken. So like to be out, to be with no Caruso, no Demar, no Derek Jones Jr., no Lonzo, no Pat against OKC tonight. Like I was a bit fearful that this game was going to be, you know, a sneaky loss opportunity, particularly after that really bad deflating loss to the to the Magic like the night before. I thought maybe that will just continue to cascade that the team would just be, you know, more in their feelings maybe after losing Caruso. And and I don't want to you know understate that that you know, continuously seeing your teammates go down with injuries. Like if I'm a teammate of like Caruso or Alonzo or even a Levine and you constantly see like every other game, one of these guys going out with an injury, like that that has to be deflating. I'm not necessarily, you know, making that as an excuse, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, these these dudes are human. But uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was expecting, not, no, no, not expecting, but I thought maybe this OKC game could be a sneaky loss opportunity, but uh, thankfully they pulled it out. Well, they sneakily did almost lose it, but well, that's um, true. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I I don't know what else to say about these injuries. It's 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 trash. Injuries are trash, and um, you know, you asked the question of like, how do you replace Crusoe? I think there's one real answer and one fake answer, and the fake answer is Io Desumu keeps going like 100 for 100 from the field and scoring <laughs> 10,000 points and 10 assists and 10 rebounds every game. And the other is just that you don't. So they're going to need guys to step up. Um, they have kind of like a, you know, a sneakily deep, deep team. I think, you know, Troy Brown at times has stepped up. Derek Jones, who's obviously injured, has played a part. Um, really liked what I've been seeing from Tyler Cook. Uh, so there are guys and they'll have to step up and, you know, McKinney and Malcolm Hill and whoever else is going to gonna get some minutes now. But um I think the next two months are really going to be about like maintaining rather than like continuing to to make that push that it felt like they were really primed for, you know, mm-hmm. over the last couple months. Yeah. Um I don't know really if I've had enough time to digest and marinate in like what that means for, you know, roster building and construction over the next couple months and the trade deadline and all of that, but um they yeah, are in a position now where like they can't really take nights off. They can't really like cruise in any of these games. I mean, the Thunder game tonight, they blew a 28-point lead and nearly lost. So none of these teams are going to go down easy, and they're going to have to work a lot harder for every game. And I think even at times when they were healthy, they kind of had this attitude of like, oh, we're up big. 
Um, you know, we have this sort of more veteran team now than we've had in the past. Um, and we can like, I don't want to say cruise or like, you know, whatever, but just take it a little bit easier. And I think that has let teams get back into games. Um, they haven't like actually won anything yet. And now they're in a position where they're going to have to work a lot harder. So, um, I think they're up for it, but it's, yeah, life's just going to be tough. Yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, I don't know, your head, your head may not be in the right place in terms of thinking about roster construction and all those sorts of things, but, you know, post these injuries, but like, that's literally where my mind went during that box, uh, during that box game. Like, I just started thinking about what the permutations of this Caruso injury well, not during the Bucks game, but after obviously the news dropped the day after. Like that's where my my mind naturally went. Like, what what does this mean for this season? Like, has have has the season just dramatically changed right now, or am I just being super emotional and reactionary to the news as it sort of dropped? But you know, if you lose Caruso for let's just call it two months, maybe it's six weeks, but if it's not, it's eight weeks somewhere in that vicinity, and, and Lonzo for a similar amount of time. Like the Bulls have already dropped from first to second. They're you know basically two games separating themselves between, you know, two and six at the moment in terms of Eastern Conference standings. Like, those six teams are really jumbled up right now. It could change over a week. You could drop from, you know, first to six as an example. So, uh, I don't want to be over-reactionary. And, and look, it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that these injuries aren't huge ones and they're not necessarily career-enders or career, you know, changes. They'll be back some stage this season, and hopefully when they are back, the Bulls will be healthy going into the postseason. But there's just a dramatic difference, like entering the postseason as a potential number one seed, which it's, it felt like was a real possibility to where the Bulls are now, where there's a, it's probably more likely they, they slide down to a five or a six seed type thing, and that does dramatically change their season. They, they don't get home court. They maybe have to face up against a Brooklyn or a a box in both rounds of the playoffs, um, if, assuming they even pre- proceed that far to do that. So it just dr- dramatically does change the season in, in more generally, assuming the team remains intact. But then I, I guess, you know, from a deadline point of view, trade deadline, and I'm sure we'll be talking about the trade deadline more in the coming weeks, but like, does this change your thinking now at the deadline? Because you've, you're going to be down two guards. So does that make you amenable to trading someone like Kobe? I would imagine less likely. Like if you trade Kobe and you and you trade for uh, a wing of sorts, then you're missing a lot of guard play and you're putting a lot on Zach's shoulders. It was as we saw tonight, but I don't, I don't know. Like uh, to me, it does sort of change what the Bulls will be thinking come the deadline. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe AK still wants to go for it, and maybe he's prepared to make that win now move. A uh, move, uh, but but for me and and maybe for you too. Well, I think the reason we were so adamant about the Bulls going for it was because they were ahead of expectations and they were number one in the east to me at least like if they are like fifth or sixth in the east it it doesn't make as much sense to go for it this season yeah and we said it you know all throughout like if basically you have to honor the season that damar and zach are having yeah and like if we're getting 90 percent of you know the damar that we saw for the first month and a half two months of the season and zach isn't 100 percent and Lonzo and Crusoe are now out. Um, like the honoring that the idea of like honoring them and going for it is totally changed because like what you're going for isn't the same as what it was before. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think for me, it definitely changes things. The calculus like really goes out of whack. You know, I'm still like kind of caught up on this Zach injury, uh, against the warriors from a couple of weeks ago. Like that kind of thing to me, I mean, 
it's pure speculation uh like not a doctor all that you know fun preamble but like when you go down for 10 days with a non-contact knee injury on a knee that you've already had acl um you know surgery on that scares me and it seemed like i don't know i got like vibes that they were kind of like bringing him back because they wanted to give tomorrow night of rest and Vooch played, although he looked like he kind of twisted his knee a little bit against Magic last night. Um, so the the calculus for me totally changes depending on the health of those two. But as it stands right now, you still have what are supposed to be your three best players. Um, whether all three of them are playing well is another story. Uh, whether all three of them are fully healthy is another story as well. But, um, you know, you've got Io stepping up in a huge way. Um, and I wrote about how well he's been playing and his development and what kind of a role he's stepped into on a sub stack that I just started, which I would love for you guys to to subscribe to. You can find it on my Twitter. I have a, a link in my bio to my link tree, which um, will link you out to the sub stack. Maybe I should just put the sub stack link in there. But uh, anyway, um, I've been great. And if you haven't read that piece, I'll tweet it out again soon so you can. Um, but he's really stepped up and Kobe has been incredibly hit or miss for his entire career uh that has not changed at all over the course of the last couple weeks he got super hot and then is now uh super cold again um but they have guys they have their big three and i think you know we've seen the absolute worst and probably the absolute best of vooch over the last 10 days um so it's really going to be on those three and i think we still have about two three weeks here before the deadline where I think we're really going to get a sense of what this team is for the next foreseeable future, because, you know, even if it is two months and I'm kind of like talking myself into it, um, I kind of like came into this podcast, not really knowing which uh, opinion <laughs> I was going to be, which agenda I was going to be pushing. But, uh, if they can get to the playoffs healthy, um, and stay sort of in the top four, yes, it changes a lot, not being the one seed. Um, and having that extra time to get everybody healthy and play together. But like Pat could come back, Caruso, Lonzo could all be coming back. Um, maybe that is in essence your your big deadline deal. But um, I don't think that they're going to like bottom out right now just because they still do have that big three and other guys stepping up as long as they can, you know, continue to step up, which is not nothing. And look, what was... What's become very clear to me over the last few games, last week, two weeks, whatever it is, you know, since Zach's been out, is just how critical it is to have both DeRozan and Levine at your disposal. Like, when there's only one of those guys in, it just becomes so much harder for that singular guy that's in the game, as we saw tonight against OKC. Like, Zach was the primary guy on ball, and, you know, he just made some really, really questionable decisions at the end there in terms of being the primary ball handler. Uh, like in in those situations, I was just like screaming for DeRozan. Like this would be a situation where Demar's in the game and it was sort of controlling the flow of the offense. And like similarly against the Magic when Zach was out and Demar was literally the only guy on the perimeter that was doing anything of note, or just more generally the only one that was doing anything of note because Vooch was so bad in that game too. Like that would have been a great game to have Zach being like the the number two guy in that situation too to foil against, uh, you know, what DeMar was doing. DeMar was brilliant with his 41 points, but no one else really showed up in that game. So, you know, I, I guess we should feel confident in the sense, like, even, so long as we've got those two out there, that the Bulls have a legit, legitimate chance because they have two of the best ISO creators, two of the best 
or two of the best players in the NBA, to be frank, two potential All-NBA guys. So in that situation, maybe that is enough to maybe, you know, do what they were doing earlier in the month in terms of beating teams in shootouts and those sorts of things. And, and maybe on, on any given night, you hope that one of Io or Kobe come along for the ride too. But when, when you just got one of those guys in the game and, and, and you know, the, the entire defense can just lock in on that particular player, I don't know. It just makes it makes them susceptible, I guess, to some, you know, some some um, you know, poor players. We sort of saw tonight against OKC, but yeah, maybe maybe with you know they can withstand the next few weeks and months without Lonzo and Caruso, so long as DeRozan and, and Levine, you know, stay healthy. Obviously, knock on wood that that is the case. But um, yeah, they, they need both out there. But uh, yeah, Demar rested tonight again against OKC and you know fair enough he's been un- unbelievable this season a back-to-back if he needed a night off uh, I think he's earned it at this point and I think the key is like one obviously Vooch needs to play better yeah, yeah. there's really no other way to put it like he he just hasn't been good and he needs mm-hmm. to get it together tonight 26 points 15 rebounds four assists three blocks and a steal yeah um, he's great. he looked a lot better yeah I think basically they just need to play the Hornets or the Thunder in the first round of the playoffs to get him going. <laughs> Any team that like doesn't have a true center, uh, he really can take advantage of. And that's, I think, the value of him in a lot of ways is that it's really tough to go small against him because he is such a potent scorer um, at multiple different levels. But uh, he needs to definitely be more consistent, as is Kobe. And yeah, I mean, I think with those three guys... Um, the recipe is still there. Like you were kind of alluding to, I mean, we saw at the end of this game, the offense kind of collapsed. Zach was trying to go hero mode and Kobe was making bad decisions and Zach was turning it over um, and taking bad shots. Like these are the things that we had grown accustomed to over the last few years and the things that we had gotten away from this year because DeMar has been so excellent. So with those two guys playing together, I have more confidence that they'll be able to like execute and close out games um and sort of fall into that pecking order that we've talked so much about. Uh, so as long as like the top of that pecking order is still available, um, you know, obviously that's the most important part. The the high level key talent has got to be there and has got to be playing well. And then you know Javante comes back in and makes a huge difference. Like mm. oh my god, he he's so good, and it's so good to have another guy like that who like brings effort and defends at a high level and gets over screens and block shots. Yeah. Um, he, he was great. Ao has been really playing well. So uh, they have guys that will step up. And I think it's just even more pressure on those top three, even less margin for error, but they still are there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, you, th- you still have three all-star caliber players. But I mean, whilst Vooch was fantastic tonight, I'm, I'm, I don't want to completely buy in because I've been burnt a few times this season. And, and like I said earlier, like he wasn't really going up against a real front line in OKC. Like they were, they were starting Robertson Earl at center, who's been a really good rookie, but like he's what, like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I mean, who are they playing as their backup center? Like Michael Scala and uh, Diakide. Like like they're not big dudes that um, Vooch was going up against. It was easy for him to body up against those guys. I mean, he hit his threes tonight, which was nice to see. But at the same time, he was getting, you know, scores inside as well, which is something he's been struggling to do all season. You know, he, he did his rebounding thing. He's been fantastic on the boards all year. Just been a great playmaker. The four assists, as, I, as you sort of mentioned before. But am I expecting him to be a 10 of 18 guy with 26 points? Like, uh, at, 
in years past, yes, like that's that would be my expectations. But based on the 45, 50 game sample that we have at this point, like I don't want to put too much stock into this good Vooch game. I need to see more. And whilst I was scoffing at the notion of, you know, Vooch being a, you know, in a bit of a rut towards the start of the season, and, you know, over the first 15 or 20 games, like the sample was too small at this point of the season, like where the fact that we are close to the trade deadline, we're, we're past the halfway point, like it is a decent sample size now. And I, I don't know, like, I just don't. I don't have a lot of faith in him at this point. Um, I'm hoping he turns it around. I have no idea what the Bulls actually do to turn it around. Like I have some thoughts, but there's no way to actually like know if they'll actually, I don't know, actually materialize and make any difference at all. But he just needs to make shots like he did tonight. But I I just don't want to believe just yet because, like I said, he went up against a, a tiny front court that he won't be going up against every single night. Yeah, at this point, like the the good games have been. The anomalies, the good games have been the ones that are like the flashes that like if it was, you know, a young player, you'd be like, oh, hell yeah, like this, this guy's going to be really good. But Booch is like 30, 30, whatever. Um, They need him to be more consistent and he just hasn't been. And it's like a frustrating, like the answer being he just needs to make shots. He's just been cold is like a really frustrating answer. But like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what else to say. It's like. He's a baseball player that's like O of his last 200 at bats. Like he just, he literally cannot hit. Um, And I don't, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than like he needs to make shots. I think the the Bulls have tried to get him some good looks on ATOs. One comes to mind um, at the end of a recent game. I can't remember which, but um, Billy called a timeout and basically ran, you know, a hammer play where Vooch got an open corner three. And um, I think he's, been getting some decent looks in pick and pops um they've they've gone to him in the post a little bit more and you still have to respect him because he has that reputation and because he can hit them um same thing in the post like even though he can just like throw the ball two feet past the rim uh he in theory can score down there and he has a good passer out of the post so i think that's something that they can do to try to just like involve him but as as a player if you're just coming out there every night and just missing and airballing and like cannot find a rhythm. It's really hard to bust out of it, but you know, hopefully by the law of averages, like in the playoffs, he'll be shooting like 87% and uh, <laughs> regressing to the mean, regressing Actually, to the mean in a positive I, way. Yeah. Well, look, I thought it was going to be a terrible bridge game. Cause I think his first shot tonight was just like, he a, literally missed like the, the rim by a thing. full foot. The entire thing it was just this, what, like a 10 foot, 12 foot jumper, and it went flying over the other side of the, over the rim. Did not draw iron at all. I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. This is going to be Here another floor of 19 game. But um, yeah, like I said, he had a, he had a good game. Um, but I'm not going to bank on it too much going forward just because there's no reason to. But um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a sign of changes to uh, of things to come. But who the hell knows if, if that is, you know, truly the case. But um, I don't. I mean, what should they do with Vooch? Like, should because to, to, to me, like, there's two school of thoughts. Like, to, in order to snap him out of this funk, there's either two ways you go about it. You either you feature him more or you feature him less. Um, I don't think they necessarily have to change the way they're using him because they're using him in a variety of ways and in ways that he's had success in the past. And to your point before, ultimately, he just needs to make shots. But you know, my thinking at the moment, like at Everything they've tried up until this point is to really emphasize the need to get Vooch going. Like they've gone out of the way on occasions to really make him a focal point. 
and I understand why he needs to be a focal point of sorts, but I don't know, like, is there any merit at all in terms of scaling back the amount of times they're looking for Vooch, the amount of times they're going to him to actually finish plays, and, and just letting letting him be a player out there rather than maybe putting too much pressure on him to being one of the key players, let's say. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but... I mean, they've tried literally everything else. I mean, at the end of the day, he just needs to make shots. But if he's in a more limited role where maybe that pressure or that burden to be, you know, someone that's level with a Levine or a, or a DeMar, maybe if you don't put that on him, maybe he, for whatever reasons, finds his, his stroke or just finds more of a niche as a, as a pick-and-pop type, uh, type of guy. I, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, is there anything the Bulls should be doing that's different than, than what they're currently doing? Yeah, I kind of think, like, the pick-and-pop stuff, he's just, like setting the screen, popping to to the to the wing and just being like, "Oh god, I hope they don't pass to me cuz cuz I do not want to shoot it." Um, I think this is like not going to sound like me at all when I say it, but like I think they need to post him up a little bit more. Um, I think and just let him play to pass. Let him be a passing hub out of the post. Um, and if they if if opposing defenses decide to play him as a passer, then he'll be one-on-one in the post and he can like gradually start to work up the confidence and go to work and, and just like have some easier opportunities to do that. Um, because the, the parts of his game that the other parts of his game that he's good at the passing, the rebounding, like he's doing all of that stuff. And I think obviously he needs to play, obviously he needs to be involved in some capacity. Um, so without taking up too much like real estate on the floor, I think that's a good way that they can do it. I also think, uh, Last year and early on this season, they ran a ton of um, side pick and roll, sort of like short, short, um, short pick and roll, sort of from the block where Zach would be um, like posting up in the mid post and like backing somebody down and Vooch would come set a screen um, and then pop to sort of like baseline 12 to 18 feet. Um, And that worked pretty well last year and this year. um, And I haven't really seen them do that too much. Um, yeah, I think there are probably like a variety of ways to do it, but he at least provides some other, like, he's not like a complete zero out there. Like the scoring is right now, but I think there are just like finding ways to involve him in the passing game and creating shots for outside shooters is going to hopefully like build up his confidence a little bit more where like, okay, I can at least help out in the offense and like be productive by getting guys open shots. And like I said, if they continue to just play him to pass it, then he'll have one-on-one opportunities in the post. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's really tough when a guy just like literally is not making shots at a rate that is like so far below his career averages. Um, but he's also so important to what this team is going to need that I, I don't think they can just like bench him and let Tony Bradley, you know, get 30 minutes a game. No, definitely not. I mean, Tony Bradley is seemingly out of the rotation at this point. I mean, Tyler Cook's playing above him in terms of, you know, the backup big. But to be honest with you, like the Bulls didn't really even play two bigs today. Or at least it felt like. I mean, Tyler Cook only played, what, seven, eight minutes, something like that. They were, they were going pretty small most of the game, the Bulls. Um, which I guess, you know, made sense against a very small team like OKC. But it's going to be interesting to see, like, how Vooch matches up against a team like the Raptors, who they too play small, but they... In a, I mean, they just, in terms of talent, have, you know, significantly more talent in that front court than what OKC do. Like, so, like, 
how does he go up against like Siakam and Scotty Barnes and those sorts of guys? Can he sort of hang with those guys in, in that type of game? Uh, that'll be an interesting sort of matchup to see. And then on Friday night, the Bulls play San Antonio and, you know, Jakob Pertl is maybe one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And like people will look at him and think, who is this guy? Like I've never even seen this guy before. What, why is he, you know, having such an influence, but he's a damn good basketball player and like someone who will make, will give Vooch like a really tough time. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Vooch actually responds over the next couple of games. Like I said, like he had a fantastic game against the Thunder tonight, but really get bad against the Magic. And I actually think he's got, you know, some, t- some tough competition coming up for, for his uh, specific skill set over the next few games. So, um, I'm interested to see. You know how he plays, but uh, you know hopefully you know well not hopefully it sounds like Demar will be back next game and you will have both Zach and Demar, so you know Vooch can be that third guy in that instance and and maybe that helps him I don't know just be a little bit more efficient than he has been in the past. But at this point, um, I'm starting to waver and this is me the Vooch apologist starting to waver. So um, hopefully he picks it up and uh, I can jump back on board. Let me just ask you this: Do you think they should move him at this point? Well, I mean, we were having this debate in DMs the other day, weren't we? Um, just to, just the general philosophy about what the Bulls should do with Vooch. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I think from a pure basketball point of view, if we're thinking about this from just a pure team construct and, and what makes sense for the team, I like I, I, it does make sense to move Vooch if there is a move out there to be had. But I, I don't think you can sell Vooch if that makes sense. If you can move him for a, a lateral move or more, obviously more would be ideal, but I'm assuming that's not happening based on the way he's played. But, I mean, if you... I think you can only move him from a pure interpersonal... Purely from an interpersonal reasons point of view, like with Zach and Demar and just the, just the, the vibes of the team. Like, I think if you move him for anything less than a, a similarly tiered player, I think that would be bad for this team from a cultural point of view. And maybe some people just don't believe in that aspect of the game that, you know, these players will get over it quickly. And, you know, even though Vooch and, uh, you know, Damara close and all that sort of stuff that ultimately they'd get over it. But to me, I think all that, all that stuff does matter. So like, if you were to sell on Vooch for whatever it is, just, you know, assets at this point, then I, I don't think that the team would react very favorably to that. But uh, yeah, I definitely think they should be looking to move on from him because irrespective of how, it, how how he's playing, whether he's playing good, bad, or otherwise, like the dude's a 31-year-old center that has one and a half years left on his deal. Like you need to make a, a, a decision on Vooch at some point. Um, you know, we, I think on the pod last week with Jason Pat, we were discussing that very premise. Like you're going to have to make a decision on Vooch maybe in the off-season, but, you know, based on how he's playing now, do you bring that decision forward, you know, six months or whatever it might be? So I don't know. I think it's in play, but, you know, at the moment, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, realistic options out there. Like, Maybe Rashawn Holmes is available, at least from the Sacramento Kings. Like, that's the name that's out there. You know, maybe Yusuf Nurkic. These aren't big, sexy names. They, they would change the entire dynamic of this Bulls team. And, and maybe on some level, it's in, 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 you know, from a pure peak perspective, like, they would be downgrades from Vooch, but at least they're good NBA players who bring something from the center position. But um, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. But I think you have to be, if you're doing your due diligence, that you have to be looking at different options. But I would just be, I would be conservative about it. And whatever move you do make, you just have to make sure that uh, Zach and Demar would be across it and it wouldn't necessarily sell the wrong message, I guess. Yeah, I think I think that's a totally fair point. I think when we talked about this originally with Stefan on, on the pod uh, a few weeks or months ago, um, 
the idea for me was like, in theory, Vooch is too good at the things that the Bulls need him to be good at, and nobody else that would be realistic, i.e. you're not getting Kat or Embiid or Jokic in here. So nobody else is going to be able to like replace those three major skill sets that they're going to need from him, which are playmaking in short roll, pick and pop, and post-ups. Um, I, I still think that's true. I don't think they're going to find a guy who who can do all those things. Mm-hmm. But right now, Vooch isn't doing all those things. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. that's kind of where I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with the idea of mm-hmm. um, of looking for somebody who can at least do you know a couple of those things at a high level. And like I said, Vooch still is you know rebounding. He's still um, a very good playmaker in short roll, which I think is like incredibly important for Damar and Zach. Um, and I think like Loki, he's been a very solid defender this year. So I don't think it's like, you know, he's a complete disaster. I think he looks really bad because he's missing a lot of shots. And like when he's bad, he looks really, really bad. Um, and the spotlight is on him. And I think Kobe is the same way, um, where they can't just like have an okay night. It's like a terrible night or like they're on fire. Um, so I, I guess from the perspective of like, we could find somebody who could replace, you know, 80% of what he can do um, at the short roll piece and, you know, 75% of what he can do containing ball handlers in drop coverage, but, you know, is a much better rim protector and a much better three-point shooter like Miles Turner, who's obviously injured right now. Um, yeah, maybe you do go after somebody like that. Um I think we're just at the point now where because Zach seems to be healthy, um, I think that was my big concern is like if Zach's down, I think that completely changes how you have to operate moving forward. Um, But it seems like he's playing. DeMar, like I said, is obviously there. You've got your big three. And if you can make upgrades, you should do it. Um, But also I think you have to just like hope at a certain level that he will at some point be an upgrade of what he's been doing because I just, it's still really hard for me to believe that a guy who has had such a good career, who has been so consistently good throughout such a long career would somehow completely fall off such a huge cliff. Yeah. I still don't believe that it's uh this is just the new norm. Like to me, this is some sort of, I don't know, extended shooting stuff of sorts because to fall off at the rate that he has, you know, last season he was shooting the ball perfectly fine, and and there was literally a, a mere a mere number of months between last season and this season between him seemingly falling off, and I, I don't understand how it could quickly happen that way because there's there's no real explainable way for that to happen. And, and you you referenced when Stefan was on the pod, but like we were you know you know we were guessing as to what the the case was there, but part of what we were suggesting was maybe it's he's just got the yips um, or some sort of confidence issue, and I, I don't know what else it to uh you know attribute it to because he goes through these stretches where he just can't make a basket like like we saw against the magic but i just can't believe that this is the new normal but at at the same time like it's just an interesting you know test case of how much do you bank on this dude sort of finding his rhythm again whilst also understanding that there's only a number of games before the trade deadline there's only you know as i sort of said before you've got one and a half years of vooch at most before you have to consider what you do with him um, next from a next contract point of view, whether that's to re-sign him, whether it's to let him go, whether it's, it's to trade him earlier to make sure you get something from him as an asset, those sorts of things. So 
yeah, like we can sit around and hope and, and wait that he will get it, you know, get it together again. And, and I'm assuming at some point he will because the, the drop off that he has shown this season just makes zero sense. But if, if that is continuing up until the deadline and past the deadline, then I don't know. Like at some point you just have to make a decision to, to, to say that we just can't stand. We just can't stand, you know, having one good game out of every five games sort of thing. So it's going to be an interesting test case for AK. I have no no idea what they do, but um, it would be a big call for them to uh, to move the guy at the deadline that they acquired at the deadline. I know there's a whole sunk cost fallacy, but irrespective of that, like people are human. Like to move on from Vooch um, at the deadline after acquiring him at the deadline, like that would be pretty ballsy. But um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really interesting. I think we've gotten a bit of a taste of how AK operates um, just in his first year, year and a half, where you know he really sat on his chips and evaluated the first year. It was brutal. And then went all in and got um, Vooch at the deadline and then made these signings in the in the past offseason to get Cruz, Alonzo, DeMar. Um, he's not afraid to make big moves and he's not afraid to pay to get guys so um on the one hand it wouldn't really surprise me if he's just like kind of ruthless and you know he's not playing well he's not giving us uh, our best chance to win and we have a good chance to win and we need to honor that so we need to find somebody who can give us a better chance to win even if that is sort of like a you know generic brand version you know if, if the generic brand version is playing at a higher level then that will help us win so i could see that i could also see like you know, we still have some time here now that we have these injuries. Um, maybe the pressure is off a little bit more. Maybe this allows us to feature Vooch in a way that, you know, he hasn't had the ball in his hands this way. Or, you know, maybe like we talked about, like he becomes less featured um, and, and just has some time to like regain some semblance of who he is as a basketball player over the next two months while these guys get healthy and then ride out, see what happens in the playoffs, and then decide again. So I could see it going either way. I do think um, these injuries put a big question mark on what's going to happen at the deadline. For me, personally, I'm a lot, I think, less interested in moving on from guys like Pat and Kobe because, one, they just need all the talent they can have right now, and two, um, I think it would be you know, not super prudent to make a move not knowing what else you have to to yeah. trade those big of trips when you when there's so much uncertainty and unknown mm-hmm. about the current roster. So yeah. I think I think I've been trending towards like a a Tory Craig Nick Batum sort of pickup, and I think that still makes sense depending on the price. But I think I'm slowly but surely moving off of the idea of going out for a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes because we just don't even know if that guy's gonna be like like how that guy will will fit into the team as you know it will hopefully look by the time they get to the playoffs. Yeah, look that that those type of moves made sense to me when you were sitting at the top of the east, you were ahead of expectations, DeMar was just playing out of his mind. The team had a realistic shot at landing the number 1 seed and in and in doing so would have, you know, instead of playing both the Bucks and the Nets, you would have only probably playing playing one of those teams, um, I'm assuming. Like that's my assumption there. But, you know, now that you know that, well, it hasn't changed just yet. I mean, there's the second in the east, third in the east, depending on how you want to slice it. But if if things 
go a way that I think he potentially will based on all these injuries and how valuable Alonso and Caruso are to this team, then, yeah, it does change how I think about this season. And, and whilst I was, you know, pushing the the agenda of trading Pat for a, a ready-made version of him, um, if, if this season isn't going to be the, what I thought it would be, or, you know, if your percentage of winning a title has been diminished because of these injuries... Yes, you may be fully healthy once the playoffs start, but if you're entering the playoffs as a sixth seed, hell, you may even be in the plane. That's how close the East is, and who the hell knows what happens in a plane situation. So to go in for an all-in move and to you know maybe be in the plane or potentially be a fifth or sixth seed, and you know they're just, the, the 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 dynamic of this entire season in that scenario is completely different. So. Yeah, I'm less gung ho now in terms of making a big deal at the trade at the trade deadline. I'm more interested in smaller moves, whether it's um you know two guys that I'm interested in that we've seen over the last two games like Chuma Rikiki, uh, he would be an interesting player to add at the deadline. He'd be awesome. Uh, and Kenrich Williams, who we saw um, against OKC tonight, who did you know he should be on a team that's actually trying to win games. Like he's a fantastic player, uh, you know the ultimate role guy. Like. Smaller moves like that, yeah, let's go and do it. What, what what you have to give up to get those guys, who the hell knows? But um, like they make more sense to me now than going all in for a, a Harrison Barnes or a Jeremy Grant, given that the Bulls' chances of being a number one seed and being a you know a smoky type thing in terms of winning a title like that that's gone out the window to me, or at least at least based on where the variables sit right now, and maybe more so where my mindset is right now. But I think it also kind of reinforces the point that we were both trying to make, which is that like they had a window yeah, and they were playing super well and like that window could close at any time. Yeah. And maybe it's not completely closed because Lonzo, Pat and uh, Caruso aren't out for the year technically. Um, but like that's how fast it can change. Um, we saw from like the first week of January till uh last week them drop like 10 spots in the defensive efficiency uh rankings like so much can change so fast if you have a window you should capitalize on it um and right now doesn't really feel like they have that window so i'm walking back a little bit and i guess if you wanted to argue that like you never know when that window is going to close so you should be careful and not go all in i guess that's one way to look at it too um but yeah i mean just the juxtaposition between how they played the first, you know, 20, 25 odd games and how they played the last 10 and how they played the last five years. It made sense to me to try to like add good players because good players make a good team and a good team is fun to watch. Uh, we, we've already touched on this, but the reason why it's deflating is because it's coming via injuries. Like if this was for whatever reason, just the team playing bad and you know, just regressing to some sort of mean because that's just what they're doing, then okay, fair enough. Maybe you can accept it. But to see it sort of be taken away to, from us on, on some level at least, uh, yeah, that, that that's disappointing, I suppose, just because of all the injuries that have occurred and that could just dramatically change the Bulls' season. So it does suck. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the next five, ten games will probably determine a lot of what we're talking about here. And it starts on Wednesday night versus Toronto, Friday at San Antonio, and then the balls close out this week with uh, a game against the Blazers, who have been actually half decent of late. With um, you know, Dame remains out, but uh, Anthony Simons has been great, and uh, CJ's back and has been playing pretty damn good too. So um, maybe the all hopes aren't lost in terms of getting that Portland pick. But uh, I assume that was gone. But um, maybe that's not the case anymore. But 
I don't know. It's going to be an interesting week. Like if the Bulls go three and zero this week, or even two and one, and stay afloat, then then maybe it changes things. Or if they go zero and three from here on out, then again that changes things. So every game here now up until the deadline is super critical, and uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I mean, how how do you think they're going to go against Toronto, San Antonio, and Port Portland? Assuming no one else gets hurt, of course. Yeah, I think <laughs> they will. I think the Toronto game will be a loss. I think uh, Siakam is playing at a super high level. Um, Scotty Barnes was having like a tremendous, tremendous rookie season and has cooled off a little bit, but then picked it up the last couple of games. Um, I just think they're playing at a really high level. Uh, had, an, had a really, really terrible game. Like you thought the Bulls offense looked bad against Magic on that same night. Um, I can't remember who they played, but it was like even worse than the Bulls offense somehow. Um, so we'll see about that one. I'm not super confident i believe they can beat the spurs and i i wonder about the uh the portland game if that would be like a sneaky we'll let you guys beat us so that there's a better chance of your the pick conveying um probably not but it'd be kind of funny so i'll go uh i'll go two and one <sighs> yeah Optimistic. i guess yeah what what they do have in their favor here is that they got two games at home and They've got a day break in between those games, so there's no back-to-backs coming up over these next three games, so maybe that means something. But um, I think I'm going to say one and two. I'm going to say one and two. I'm not, I'm not sure which games that is going to be. I am fearful. Make me fearful is too strong because Spurs aren't really good of late, but I think DeJounte Murray could have his way. Like any any team at the moment that has some guards that can get in into the lane without Caruso and Lonzo and knowing that Vooch is your your rim protector at this point, like their games that I'm concerned about. So I think they could potentially get Toronto because I don't really fear any of their perimeter guys. Like Freddie Van Vliet's potentially an all-star, but I'm, I'm more fearful of what he does from a jump shooting point of view rather than putting pressure on the rim. Whereas like DeJounte and like, Simons and McCollum for for the Blazers. Like, if those dudes just continuously run pick and roll and ball, the balls that you know die on screens and those guys just get inside and it's basically Vooch against the, those guards, then I don't know. That could be uh that could be tough sledding, and we basically would just be relying on Levine and Demar to to outshoot us there or to outshoot their opponents to win. So I'm going to say one and two. I have no again. I don't know who it's going to come against, but I'm going to say one and two. I'm I'm hedging somewhat there. Doggable Nation strikes back. Um, I'm back. Back, we'll baby. see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Demar and Zach, one healthy, one playing well, they can keep you in any game in a shootout. So I think just given the fact that the two best defenders and really the whole defensive identity is now gone, that's the team they're going to have to be now. They're going to have to just score a shit ton of points. And Demar's going to have to go 15 of 20. And Zach's going to have to hit eight or nine threes a game. And. If they can do that, then they'll be all right. Yeah, and look, if, if Io is going to continue playing like this, yeah, he had a couple stinkers against the Bucks and the Magic, but if he has the, the fortitude, which he's shown tonight against OKC, to to have the level of game that he did, the 24 points, eight assists, five rebounds, like if I'm not expecting that to be the norm, but if he can deliver even half of that like and, and do so semi-consistently, like that goes a long way as well. And, and hopefully, you know, Kobe... You know, he's been cold the last few games, but before that was, uh, you know, really hot for a month. So if those two guys can play how they were playing a little bit before, then they can help uh, stem the loss of, of, of Caruso and Monzo. But uh, time will tell, William, and we'll see how it all plays out. Obviously, we'll be back next week to discuss how 
these couple of, all these few pools games have gone. Hopefully that I am very wrong about my prediction. That would be nice, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out. We'll be back next week. Thank you everyone for tuning in. You know where to find us by now on Twitter. I'm at MK Hoops. Will's at Won't Gottlieb. Will, tell, tell the people again where they can get your new stuff stuff. Yeah, I just started, uh, just decided I wanted to write some thoughts down. So I wrote a thing about how I has been playing and then I think it kind of got lost in the Caruso news, but um, I wrote about how the Bulls as a team sort of defended Giannis um, and some of the different strategies they employed. So um, I'm going to be trying to to pump out some content. Uh, life is busy, but it's fun to do. It's fun to get back into it. So if you want to read along, um, I put my link to my Substack in my bio. Um, it's willgottlieb.substack.com. So check it out. Um, if you subscribe, you'll just get uh the newsletter is directly sent to your inbox and um yeah hope you enjoy it and if you're not a twitter user by any chance the link to our will Substack will be in the episode description of this podcast as well so there's another way you can grab your hands on that and um, get across what will is writing you know over his previous two stories but anything that comes up over the next coming weeks and months so uh be on the lookout for that subscribe do all that sort of stuff do the same for the podcast apple so uh spotify wherever you get your podcasts like subscribe share reviews all that good stuff appreciate everyone's support of bulls hq but like i said we'll be back next week to review the latest week in Bulls basketball, hopefully it's uh, a little bit more promising than you know what we've had to endure over the last few days. But uh, time will tell. Thank you for tuning in uh, and speak then, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.